Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 58th episode, we have artist Jason Rule, who comes to us by way of Madison, Wisconsin, where he's also a master printer at Tandem Press. We talk at great length about the 2D works that he has, which incorporate collage, painting, um, digital media, as well as video works. So we talk all about that in great length and detail. And we also talk about a project that he's just starting, and you can find out about how to get your own Jason Rule work for free. So please stay tuned and listen to the end. You'll find out about that a bit later, so check it out. Just a reminder, if you haven't heard of Studio Break before, we are a podcast and blog site that features a variety of contemporary artists discussing their work in detail, their studio practice, what inspires them, and what the work's all about. So please go ahead and check it out. You can easily access that. Look over to the left on the sidebar. You'll see an archive function, and you can just go month by month. Check out all the artists that you've missed. Again, over 70 full-length podcasts, each of them with slideshows, links to the artist's websites, as well as the iTunes store where you can subscribe to the Studio Break podcast. Just search for Studio Break in the iTunes store. Of course, if you like Studio Break and you've been listening to us for a while, we hope that you leave us some comments there as it just greatly increases our visibility for people that like to listen to podcasts like that at sports or maybe the Mark Maron podcast, whatever you listen to. So please go ahead and leave us some comments. Again, you can follow Studio Break a number of ways, including our Facebook page where we preview some of the guests that we have coming up. We share show announcements and our 2013 competition, which you can apply to, again, if you're a student, undergraduate, graduate, or professional or emerging artist. So please check it out to be on Studio Break. Again, we'll have you on for an interview and share your work with our audience. And this year, our juror is Mark Harold Ponder who works out at the Box 13 Art Space in Houston. He's an interesting curator, so please go ahead and apply. Once again, we're going to be giving away a solo show in each of those categories. And again, it's a great way to share your work with other folks. So please go ahead and apply and share it with anybody that might be interested in it. Once again, the deadline for that is May 31st, so please make sure to get your applications in soon. You can't be considered in June, so get it done before May 31st. Following that, you can also find us on Twitter at Studio Break, so please feel free to share cool stuff, interesting articles, music, whatever you happen to be finding on Twitter or finding that's interesting. We always love to hear from people, so please tweet us there at Studio Break. All right, everyone. With that, we've got our interview with Jason coming up. Stay tuned. All right, welcome to Studio Break. I'm happy to be joined by Jason Rule tonight. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm excellent. And, um, you know, we were just kind of reminiscing, or at least I was, I guess, because I always do that. It's been quite a while, about five years since I've talked to you and, uh, you know, been following your work here and there and, and, and seeing it. But, um, you know, it's good to have you on Studio Break to, to talk about it in depth. So thanks for coming on. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. Anybody that's going to be listening to this interview should go check out um, Jason's website, jasonrule.com, and uh, you know see the works. Be helpful to listen to, or at least check out before you listen to the interview. But you know you've got a, a, a BFA degree from uh, Minnesota State University in Mankato and an MFA from University of Wisconsin Madison. Um, but let's let's start out a little bit by I guess just where you grew up and, and where you're from. Uh, I grew up in southeastern Minnesota in a small town uh, called Chatfield, which is about 20 miles south of Rochester, just to give people, you know, an idea. 
that know that part of the part of the country. Uh, yeah, just you know, traditional Midwestern small town. Um, and I kind of always, I guess, knew that I was going to go into art. Uh, originally, I went to Mankato to get a teaching degree, like to get a K through twelve certification. Mm-hmm. Um, and it. It was that way until I went into the art office one day and I picked up, you know, they had the sheets of like all the different degree programs and there was one for the BS, which is a teaching degree. And I was reading through it and it was like, you know, you had your studio classes laid out and whatnot. And then there was a sheet next to it that was a BFA and I looked at it and it was all art classes. Like at a certain point, you stopped taking art classes with the teaching degree and started focusing on teaching classes. And I was like, well, what? I want to do this other one. Like I want to take... I just want to take art classes and art history classes. Like, I, I don't want to take teaching classes. So that's kind of how I ended up, you know, getting a BFA. And I talked to one of my instructors. I was like, well, what do you even do with that? And she talked about the idea of grad school and what you could do, you know, beyond that. So that's kind of how I got from Mankato to UW-Madison, in a sense. Right, right. Well, and, I mean, you know, you say that you're always, you know, knew that you wanted to do that. I mean... Um, it's, it's cliche, but I always ask people, were you really creative as a, as a kid? Did you do a lot of stuff with your hands or? Yeah. I mean, I, I always somehow, I think part of it, you know, when I was young, my mom, uh, a, fr- a really good friend of hers, uh, we lived in Rochester at the time before we moved to Chatfield and he was a part of the Rochester art center. And so like, I would go there and hang out with other kids and, you know, and just make stuff. And it was, it was the one thing that I kind of always gravitated towards is just like making things um and again i know it does sound super cliched in a way but it's it's just the the one thing that always held my interest in in some sort of you know way i mean like in high school i was also in a lot of um theater productions and you know i think a lot of people because i was in so many thought that that's the way that i was going to go with you know school and whatnot but when i got to to Mankato and I tried out for some plays there and I saw the people that were like theater majors. I was just like, yeah, these guys are on another plane than I like. They're really into it. They're really focused on it. Whereas like, I always just wanted to make stuff, you know, that was whatever it may be. Like when I was a kid, you know, I would, those were the Christmas presents that I would give to people before I could buy anything for anyone as I would, you know, starting really early off with like coloring books and like, things like that and just trying to make things to give to people because that's what I felt like I was good at, you know. Was print even something that was on your radar in terms of thinking like that younger or was it just no. like I just got to make anything, you know? Yeah, I mean mainly back then it was like I would, you know, just grab like a a book and try to draw stuff out of it. Like it was specifically drawing and then in high school, you know, I really got into oil painting cuz that's one of the things we did like each semester we did something else like we did oil painting, ceramics, um, screen print. So I did have screen print was like the, the kind of the only printmaking I knew before I got to college. Right. Well, and I mean, was, was, uh, comics and, um, you know, things of that nature is something that was of interest to you. Cause it seems like there's a lot of, you know, graphic work in, in terms of the work that you do now. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I collected some comics and I was really into like superhero movies and all that, you know, like Superman and all that kind of, and watching Spider-Man and Batman and all that stuff on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did, I wasn't like a super like collecting comic book kid, but I knew, you know, I knew that stuff was out there and I would go like to the drugstore that we had in our town and like flip through the comics and stuff like that. 
Um, but one thing, I mean, it's really weird, and maybe this will come back around later on, but one thing that I've thought about lately that kind of ties into the work that I'm doing now that seems, in a way, kind of more OCD than anything else, uh, I collected baseball cards, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and like garbage pail kids as well. And my favorite thing about collecting baseball cards was not necessarily like I, I liked baseball fine and whatever, but like I would get my cards out after I had purchased a bunch of new ones and sort them like by team essentially. And mm-hmm. like that organization of that was the thing that I really liked to do, like get them out, lay them all out, put them in groups and then put them back and, you know, wait till I got a, a bunch more to do. And I think that that is one thing that in a weird roundabout way affects the stuff that I'm doing now. Like, cause I feel like there's this cataloging that goes along with the process that I'm really interested in. And which also in a way I think makes sense that I ended up gravitating towards painting, not that other art forms don't have process in them, obviously, but like printmaking is very specific depending on the process that you're doing, like, of like, I don't know, it just seems more, I don't know, like, I hate to say it because, like, as soon as I say it, I can hear painters like, screw you, like, <laughs> painting is this, or, like, sculptors like, I gotta do this, and, right, talk right. About, you know, so it's not like it's the end-all, be-all, like, oh, this is the one that has all the technical stuff, but in terms right. of the way that my brain operates, it's the one that makes the most sense, I think. Sure. You know, you, you kind of described, again, the, the circumstance of going from, um, you know, wanting to teach, you know, like maybe more of like a high school level or like K through 12. And then you discovered like you could continue to take all these art classes. So, I mean, what what was that experience like? I mean, did you did you commit to it like right there? Yeah, I mean, the thing I I didn't commit necessarily to a medium right away. Like it was I was the kind of person that every time I took you know, a 200 level class, which, you know, you had to take a bunch of 200 levels before you get into the 300 levels. I'd be like, oh, this is what I'm going to do. Like I took ceramics wheel in hand and I was like, oh yeah. And then I took photography and I was like, oh wait, this is what I want to do. And then I took, you know, sculpture. And so it, it wasn't until I got into like the 300 levels of painting and there was like a specific painting. Like I know it to this day, like the image. And it's usually the one that I maybe like I'll show if I give a slide lectures, like this was the painting where I was like, this is what I want to do. Cause at the time it felt like the thing that I could continually push. Whereas like those other like photography, I just, you know, I took another photography class and it just didn't feel like I could keep going with it for some reason in my head. And I don't know if I didn't have the patience for it or what it was, but there was something about painting at that time that that was the one that I was like, okay, this is the one I'm going to push. I'm just going to keep making paintings. Well, and, and what were you interested in early on in terms of subjects or ways of working? Uh, well, at first, like the, you know, in my high school, we learned by copying, essentially, you know, and it was like you copied and made things that looked like things, quote unquote, you know, there was no abstraction. And I got to undergrad and my first class was design and color. And our first project was an abstract, non-objective project. And I was just like, I had no idea what the hell that even meant. Like, I was just like, it has to look like nothing. What, like, I was like, what do you mean? I don't understand that. And so that first class kind of just opened my eyes to there were other ways of working and they weren't necessarily bad. And so, you know, I guess it is the kind of easy blanket kind of label to put on it. I was an abstract expressionist when I was painting. Like I was more into working with paint and trying to focus on like 
um, composition and color and not necessarily, you know, like what's some rendering essentially. And I moved away from that. Like in beginning painting, I was still very much about that. And then like in that first 300 level, it was still trying to do like a little bit of figurative stuff, but like slowly but surely it kind of that all moved to the side and I just became very focused on, you know, working abstractly. And was it like a, a particular kind of, a uh, formal look or quality that you're exploring, or was it more about like the materials in terms of the way that you, you know, I, tackled I, it? I think it was more about the materials. You know, it was just I was interested in just working and not think like not thinking while I worked in the sense of like trying to react what was going on on that canvas, like learning how to mix the paint, like what kind of glazes would work with this, you know, this image and you know, really focused. And I always, for some reason, had an affinity for oil paint. So like just, you know, gathering more paints and, and doing that and not necessarily again, like I wasn't interested in like a final product. I mean, like I would say like, Oh, painting is done, but then there would be paintings that would sit in my little space that I, I, for some reason I'd be like, I don't think it's done. And I didn't know why. And so it would sit there and sit there. And then I would do something in like two paintings later that I would take back into those older paintings and kind of work into them. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was, yeah, I mean, for me, it was really like, and I had an artist statement that was of course just like grandiose and about, Oh, it's about memory and whatever. And like, I look back at that now and I kind of chuckle because it's like, it was, I was just trying to make like in a way justify it. Not that, you know, you shouldn't know what you're, work is about or think about it in that context but i think at the time i was just more excited and more interested in making things right well and it seems too that you know given what what your work looks like now and and certainly i don't know i could see adopting a lot of different strategies in terms of you know how all those things go together were you were you taking a lot of other classes that were informing your painting or was it at a certain point just focused you know mostly on on painting yeah i mean i had because it, in Mankato, you had to have like a, a major specialization and a minor specialization. So I was taking printmaking classes as well. But then I was also, you know, I had art history classes that I was taking every semester. Um, by the time I was, you know, a junior, I think it was mainly art classes that I was taking. Like I had gotten all my general eds out of the way. So there wasn't really any of that that was kind of influencing it. And then just kind of the other painters that were in that studio, like just having crits with them and listening to what they had to say. And, you know, because you mentioned, like when we were kind of talking a little earlier, you mentioned Brian Frank, like Brian Frank was one of my instructors. And the other instructor I had was um, Bob Finkler. And it was really great to have those two guys because at the time they were, they were, even though they were both abstract painters, like they were very different in the way they would come to a crit, like with the ideas that they would talk to you about. And, uh, so I think that, you know, it was that kind of stuff. And, you know, the, the music that I was starting to get influenced by in the sense of like stuff I'd never listened to. And like when you're hanging out in the studio for hours at a time and there's other people in there, you hear what they're listening to. And so I was getting into more different kind of things like that. But again, at that time, I don't know if music was necessarily influencing my work as much as it, it has in, you know, later periods, but it, um, I guess if that makes any sense, that's what was going on. Not necessarily like I didn't take a, like a chemistry class and like, I was really inspired by this, you know? 
was it something that, you know, when it came time to like putting your, your BFA show together, um, and kind of moving on, I mean, were you still then, you know, still investing in abstraction? Yeah. I mean, I, until about my, a year and a half into grad school, I was still really on that course. And, you know, it took me that first year or so in grad school to kind of finally jettison what I was doing in undergrad because it was such a weird shift to go because I went straight from undergrad to grad school and so I didn't know if I should just continue with these ideas that I had and the imagery that I was working on or if I should just completely change and so it was like over the course of that year and a half just like slowly pushing forward and then I started um I took a class where I started to learn illustrator and photoshop and that is i think one of the things that kind of was the crux that helped push me in the direction that i am you know where i'm at now like taking taking that class and then just like going to the computer lab and like really learning those programs and kind of getting my head into those and like i you know i started moving more towards um screen printing at that point and making like these poster images that were, you know, based kind of like on Russian propaganda posters. Um, you know, cause essentially like I had a crit with one of my professors and I had at that point, like I had three kind of bodies of work going on in my studio. And he said, you know, you look like you're kind of schizophrenic. Is there any way to pull all this together? And at first I was like, Oh, whatever, man, like this is the way I have to work. But then you know, it, it, I pulled those three things because there was one that was like all this tech stuff that I was doing with stencils and just like a friend of mine had given me a typewriter cause she was, um, she was going to leave school. And so I would just sit at the typewriter sometimes in my studio and just like write, you know, stream of conscious writing. And so I started taking like snaps, snapshots of that writing and making drawings of stencils of just text. And then I had like these drawings that I was doing in illustrator that were very graphic and hard edge and like just walk into class one day, I, it's like it snapped to me. I was like, oh, I was like, I should start making posters, like propaganda posters. Because, you know, I was all wishy-washy about grad school. Like it was weird in the sense of like I had come from a very formal program and it was more conceptual here at UW. And I was I at the, at the time it was kind of really I was t- having a really tough time like working my head around it. So that was my way of like dealing with it in the sense of like making all these posters that said specific things about how I was feeling. But then, you know, they were, I got like a Russian dictionary and I just tried to essentially fake Russian text. <laughs> and so it was like my way of like, Oh, haha, I'm saying this about you, but you can't read it. Kind of like how I feel when you talk to me about certain things and I feel like an idiot, you know? Right. Well, it's, it's pretty funny because, you know, you think about, you know, research is such an important thing, or at least something that, you know, people bring up all the time in terms of how to come through with a new body of work or break through an idea or something. So especially the idea of going through a dictionary that you can't read and mm-hmm. trying, trying to pass it off like something, it's a bit like conceptual art sometimes. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. that was the, the thing that I, there was a crit that I had in school as well that the professor, I, accused is the wrong word, but he like essentially said that I was more conceptual than visual. And I, it like that was like a slap in the face to me at the time because I was like, I was like, but I want like it. I'm I'm an artist. That the visual is so important to me. Like I don't want the idea to override the the visual. Like that was just I was like just crestfallen when he said that. 
Well, and so what did this body work do for you then? I mean, did it seem like you had a, a lot more specifics then? Because as someone that, you know, is kind of wavered in abstraction forever like myself, I mean, I, I can, there's times where I felt very like aimless and then there's times that I felt very focused. Was it something that allowed you to get more focused? Yeah, it did. Because I, you know, it was like one of those things where I feel like for myself, I get to a certain point with, you know, a body of work and I just start to get bored. And then I think to myself, it's like, well, if you are bored making this, like who is going to want to look at it when you're done with it? Because you're not really even that interested in it. Right. And so it was nice because it was this new thing. And so it was all the things that I was doing were fresh to me compared to like, at you know, at a certain point after I had worked in abstraction for so long, it was like I just kind of felt like I had this playbook that I could go to and like, oh, do this, do that, no, 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 no. So it was, yeah, it definitely helped me focus. And, you know, part of that being it was in school, so, like, you're working towards your MFA show, you know, and you have a, every year you have a review show. And so it was, like, I had a specific goal of, like, building this body of work. And since it was a year and a half in a school, I had, like, a year and a half to see where I could take it, you know. Sure, sure. And so so what was that year and a half like? I mean, did you just kind of... I guess I say that just because, you know, there's there's times where, I don't know, like you kind of get urges to just kind of do something that you have been wanting to do or kind of holding off on it. Was Were there ways that you kind of explored other mediums and other kind of routes through this as well? Or Yeah, I mean, my, uh, my MFA show was a completely different body of work than everything I had worked up till, you know, in that, uh, that kind of second part of my three years. Um, and it was, it was graphic in the sense of like, it was the poster stuff, but I worked at a frame shop for the three years that I was in school and we had like this little craft section for scrapbooking. And there was this stencil there of a birthday cake. And I always loved that shape. And like, again, this, the poster stuff that I was doing, it was very hard edge, flat shaped stuff. So that's, you know, I've always just been really drawn to that kind of graphicness. And I picked it up one day, like I bought it and I, Cause I was like, Oh, maybe I'll just start going around town, spray painting birthday cakes up. Cause it's somebody's birthday every day. And then the day that I bought it, it was Kerouac's birthday. So I just printed out all these photos of Kerouac and spray painted a pink cake on it and just put it up around the art department. And that essentially led to my MFA show, which was every day for six, I think it was five or six days. I picked five famous people who's, or sorry, excuse me, 12 famous people whose birthday was on that day. And I did, like, a very kind of Shepherd Fairy black and white portrait of the person with a little birthday cake. And if they were alive, the cake was pink. If they were deceased, it was black. And it had, like, their age in the cake. And it said their first name under it. And then I also made little 8 by 10 screen prints of all these images and wrapped them up like birthday presents. And then at the opening, people could pull these presents from the show and open it up and they'd get like a little screen print of one of the pieces that was in the show. Um, and that, you know, and I kind of done this giveaway thing a little bit with some other stuff that I was doing at school. And so that was like the way for me to have like the giveaway idea and this graphic stuff that I was doing. But again, it had kind of become like, I just didn't feel like I could push it anymore. So this was a way to take like a leap, but have a similar 
kind of base to build from, if that makes any sense. With that idea of trying to rein in all of these different bodies of work, did you feel like it was able to be more focused and, and to communicate something to people? Because, again, you know, working abstractly, it seems like there's a lot of times where you're lacking that when you're when you're showing your work in public and you're kind of describing ways that people are able to interact with it. Was that something that was kind of important to you? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not really sure how the, the kind of giveaway thing started and like the interaction with people, but it was something that I just decided to do. It was the second year of view show. And that was when I was doing, you know, the propaganda stuff. And I, I found this place in Arizona that would make buttons. And so I made like two different buttons and put them in these little jars and like essentially just let people take them. And I liked that idea. I think of the work leaving the space because I think, and that's, you know, that's one of the things I really liked about the the MFA show that I did as well is like this idea that you put, you do all this work and you put up a show and then you have the opening and then it's almost just like, eh. you know, I mean, people come to the space and all that kind of stuff, but it just, it's, it's static and it stays that way and it's only there for a week and then it's gone. So I liked that idea, like with the MFA show, how every day it was 12 different people because it was 12 new birthdays and like, and then how people got that present and it said to open it like on the outside, it was open on, you know, say like May 12th. And the person that was inside of that box, like the image, that was when their birthday was not that anyone would listen to those instructions, but, but then also I liked that idea if someone came to the show and saw an image that they really liked and then they opened that present and it's not the image that they wanted. Like, cause in gift giving, I feel like that's something that always happens. It's like, you're very appreciative. You just got a gift, but it's not necessarily what you want. So like you feel bad because you should be happy. You just got something, but it's not what you wanted. Right. Like, and again, I feel like that kind of spun out from what you even asked, but no, I th- well, I think it's something that's interesting because, you know, and again, I mean, just talking to a variety of people, I mean, some people are, um, not concerned at all about the way that they interact with, you know what I mean? It's like an afterthought where some people mm-hmm. are, you know, that's the very nature of, you know, a project that they're working through. So it's, it's always something that's interesting for me to think about. Um, so, so what happened, what happened next? How did you, how did you wind up where you're at? Uh, so when I finished school, I ended up going back to Mankato for a year and teaching, um, as an adjunct, you know, as a sabbatical replacement for a year and then I moved to Chicago, and then I ended up moving back to Madison because while I was in Minnesota, I met my wife. And so she stayed in Minnesota when I went to Chicago, and after about a year of you know, doing a long-distance relationship, we decided it would be nice to be able to live together. And so we decided to move to Madison because it was like halfway in between where we both lived. And so then I ended up you know, coming back here with her. And, uh, there happened to be a, a part-time opening a tandem in the frame shop. So since I had framing experience, I got that. And then I, for, you know, two, two and a half years did that as a part-time thing and then taught adjunct at, you know, I did Chicago for a semester and commuted from here. I did a semester at UW. I did a year at Oshkosh. So it was like, kind of just did that with the idea that I kept, I was applying for full-time gigs and that's kind of what I was still going to do is get a full-time teaching job um but then while i was a tandem as a part-time person they realized that i knew how to 
use Photoshop and Illustrator and, you know, deal with computers. And more and more of the artists that were coming in were dealing with that as well. And so they they were like, they thought essentially that they should probably have a position at Tandem for someone that could do that kind of stuff. And so they set up the position, I applied, and luckily I was, you know, offered the job. Right, right. Well, and so... Did you also then like learn a lot of skills too while while you were working there in terms of you know technical things as well or was it something that then afterwards you kind of when you took this position became more involved with I guess Yeah I mean it's it's definitely I mean as as cheesy as it sounds it's always a learning experience I mean from cuz every project you work on is going to have a different approach and then just working with other you know with the artists that we bring excuse me we bring in that's another thing that I think is for me, I really enjoy about it. Like it, it, I I feel like I'm pretty disciplined when it comes to like getting into my studio and working and all that kind of stuff. But when you're working with professional artists in the studio for a week or two weeks while they're there, like you just, it reinforces that idea of like having to really focus and, and have that drive to, to push and keep making things. Well, could you tell us a bit about Tandem Press? It's a professional print shop, but we're affiliated with UW, and so we do have student workers. Like, we have graduate assistants that work with us and sometimes undergraduates that assist the master printers. But we have, like, an artistic advisory committee that will come up with artist suggestions. They'll bring those to the table, and then the committee will kind of discuss it, and then we'll send out invitations to to artists to come in. But, you know, we were talking about how, you know, you're, you're in school and you're all focused on these things and, you know, specific ways of working and they always inevitably wind up changing. I would imagine that, you know, just the opportunity to work with a professional artist, you know, maybe every week or every other week and they're always different. Um, is that something that also influenced you in terms of the way that, you know, you might utilize like a different technique that, some, that, that somebody has to use? Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that occasionally like we'll do something, you know, like on the Vandercook or like with etching and I'll be like, Oh, I should, I should try doing that with my stuff. You know, like it's something that I'll keep in the back of my head. Like when something comes up that has a, a certain type of look, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to do this. Cause I think this is a good process for that. You know? Sure. Sure. Well, and just to, to clarify too, then. So again, this is a couple of years removed from your MFA degree. Um, what, what does the work look like at this point? Are you, are you still kind of dealing with these poster kind of images or, uh, in a sense, like I, I started to do when I was in Mankato, I started to do a lot of collage work. Um, and that essentially started because I, in my like 2d class that I was teaching, we had a, a section about collage. And so I just did some stuff to present in class and I was kind of, you know, I was really interested in it because again, it was like that thing where that show that I had for my MFA, I, I couldn't that was kind of a one-off thing. You know, it was like, I'm not going to continue to do this thing where I make, you know, someone's picture every day that it's their birthday. And I become like, you know, it's, it almost sounded, it seemed like this kind of encore, like I wasn't going to paint the date every day, you know, like, so I didn't know what to get. I got into that place where I was like, well, what do I do now? And so I just started making these little collages. And at this point, you know, when I moved back to Madison, it was, the it was like August of 2004 so it was, you know, the lead up to the Carrie Bush election. And I was living in Chicago, like I had gone to Howard Dean meetups and was trying to get people in ballots and like just walking around the city, like I would see just 
all sorts of political posters and stuff like that. So the work was just small collages in a sketchbook that were very kind of politically based. And so when I got to Madison, it was a swing state. So like it just got amped up like a hundred times, like how much political uh, advertising was on TV and like you just could not get away from it. And so I made these paintings that were essentially painting slash collages that were swing states and I just decided before the election, you know, and this was like in August, that I was going to predict which way I thought all the swing states were going to vote. Were they going to go for Kerry or were they going to go for Bush? And so there was like this kind of collage that would go on. And then over the top, I would just paint the silhouette of the state. And if it was red, then I thought it was going to go for Bush. If it was blue, it was going to go for Kerry. And so I did 20 of them because there were about 20 states that they would throw into that um camp of like swing state and so yeah i ended up being like 18 for 20 like which i thought was pretty good um i got iowa wrong which i was really surprised by and then i got florida wrong but i only did florida as a carry state because i hoped that if i did a blue carry painting then he would win florida mm-hmm. but you know that didn't happen so um swift boat veterans for truth just yeah, changed yeah. the whole thing yeah <laughs> and so yeah, so that's what it was. That work was looking like at that point. We were talking about how in your your current work and um, your interests, you know, there's there's political images. Um, one of the things that we haven't talked about is is also the way that you're kind of putting these things together. You, you talked a little bit about keeping a sketchbook, but I mean, are these like really ideas that you're writing down, or are they actual like drawn images that you're kind of combining? You know, how did this process that you're into now? I mean, is, did it start to develop really like at this point? Because it seems like um, it might be about the right time, but I could be totally off. Um, yeah, I mean, the the project that I kind of did last year for the year and that I'm continuing this year started in 2011 with um, I really got into the Vandercook, like the letterpress. And so I decided somehow that I wanted to I picked 31 people that I knew at random and I was going to send them a card once a month and the addition size would be based on the days in the month. So if there was 31 days, there'd be 31 in the addition. If there was 30 days, there'd only be 30. And I would just randomly pick one of those people to not get the card. So I did this project for a year. I really enjoyed it. Like I got a, a, a really great response, like from people that were super excited to have been included And so then I was thinking, like, I wanted to continue it, but I didn't want to do the same thing again, but I wanted to, you know, work with this male idea. Uh, And so then I picked, out of that group of 31, I picked 13 people randomly, and I sent them a note in the mail, and I just said, send me five songs, and I will make you something influenced by one of those songs, and I'll send it back, you know, I'll send it to you, and I'll do one a month. So you might get something, you know, I sent it out in, like, I think March of 2012. And I said, you might get something from me in April or you might not get something until March of 2013, depending on, you know, when I do your thing. And so that's where the project that I kind of just finished up started with. And so like that kind of sketchbook, I mean, essentially it's just, I have everybody who's in it. Like I have a, a list of what they sent me, what, you know, how they sent it to me. If it was a letter in the mail, if I got a Facebook message response, if it was a text message response, like a post-it note. However, I got the list, like that's in the sketchbook. So it's just like a catalog of 
all of the little pieces that went into the final collage that I made, which was, you know, I essentially not in the sketchbook. I just built that in like all the stuff that I do. It's in Photoshop, like scanning and manipulating and then printing out, cutting up and collaging together after it's printed out. And is that typically how you wind up working them through like a, a body of these is you have like some, you know, specific departure point, you know, in terms of the way that you're organizing it as a conceptual idea? Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those things where it's like, it just, more often than not, I feel like it's an idea that I'm not really consciously thinking of, like somehow it just snaps into my head. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, and you know, sometimes I get ideas like that and they're stupid. Like I write them down in a little sketchbook that I carry around with me and sometimes they turn out to be, you know, what I think are really great. And I, you know, I also like the idea of that I, I come up with this project and then I followed all the way through because in when I was younger you know I would come up with these grandiose ideas but I would never follow them through like I almost shot myself in the foot by talking out loud about it Mm -hmm. so I think that was part of the thing that I really started to enjoy as well it's like okay you're gonna you're gonna do this like so don't you know you can't back out it's too late now you sent a letter to people like there's no going back kind of thing right right um and so is it something that you're also kind of doing these all all these different bodies still, or is it something that you're, you know, focused on a particular project until it's finished? Yeah. I mean, I, I did the, the project that I did last year, I, I ended up calling it 13 tales from urban Bohemia, you know, which is a reference to the Danny Warhol's album, but I thought it was cool because there's 13 pieces in it and whatnot. And so I really enjoyed that project. Like, and at the end of it, like I essentially made a little collector box that had all of the images in it because when I would talk to people about the piece that they got, they were like, Oh, I want to see the other ones that are in it. Like, am I ever going to get to? And I was like, Oh yeah, I'll put them on my website when it's all said and done. And, but I I just decided like, I wanted to give everyone that was involved in it, like this little packet that they could, they could have and hold, I guess. And so it was like, I got all the cards printed and then on the back of these cards, and I made them like five by seven. The originals were nine by twelve collage, you know, so I could mail it through the U.S. Postal Service. Like it wasn't like this massive image or anything like that. And so then I got five by seven reproductions of all the collages that I had scanned before I sent them off. And on the back side of the card, it had all the info of that piece, like who was who picked the songs, the songs they picked, when I sent the piece, how I got their list. You know, so people could kind of see how the process worked the whole way out. And then I made a mix CD that went with it that essentially was, like, each piece, the the song that kind of went with the piece. Like, in some of them I couldn't say, oh, this is definitely just this song. Like, some were, there's no doubt about it. But other ones, it was, like, more than one song would kind of influence me while I was working on it. Right, right. Well, and again, there's so many so many things to talk about Um and I want to I want to talk about the music, but I think before we before we jump to that, um, you know, just something that I want to bring up in terms of the prints is that one of the things that's interesting to me is, is especially the way that you wind up using, you know, the the white page in your collages, you know, at least in the last you know three or four years. Um, yeah. You know, is 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 it something that you really um, are just figuring out ways to kind of stretch certain things? Because you know, there's there's times where they'll you know, be like a foreground or like, um, you know, you'll include something like a edge of a table or, you know, something that kind of turns into that, that space. I mean, is it something where you, you just kind of, 
know, trying to come up with something new each time or? Yeah. I, I've always had this weird thing about giving myself like, you know, giving myself like these little rules or parameters to kind of follow. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, at a certain point, like I, the, the white space, I don't know if it went back to just like my days as a, a, a painter where it was like, I covered every single space possible. Like I just, there could never be any negative space. Like it was, I mean, there was obviously negative space, but no white space. And so slowly and like the, and it, you know, it kind of came from like the swing state paintings that I did and some paintings after that, where there was just kind of like flat color in the background. Like, I don't know if you can remember the paintings that I did in Vermont, but there was just like four little paintings that I did there that were like two color paintings, like a pink background with like this little geometric shape that was a different kind of pink. And so it kind of came out of that, I think. But then I just, I really, there's something, I, there's something about that white space that I like being able to try to push an image, but not, not fit it into a, a landscape or an interior, you know, like that, that, empty space really you just kind of fill it in for yourself in a sense sure well and it's something that i think you it seems like you know there's a lot of fun involved or at least i don't know if, if it's it's if it's fun making it because i'm sure it's a lot of work but you know especially like the way that you play around with the scale of things you know sometimes they're you know large and taking a, a good chunk of the image but then sometimes they're very small mm-hmm. and so i think that that idea that you're talking about earlier the that kind of graphic quality is something that's that's very apparent, and especially the way that you're kind of combining some of these different um, different looks, the way that the prints look. Yeah, it really depends on the image. Like it, it is all generated on the computer first, like in Photoshop. That's where all the manipulation is. Like I talked to somebody about it one time, and I just said that you know I think Photoshop is like the best Exacto knife and copy machine you could ever have. Right. Like because you can, you know, I can edit exactly how I want to. I can take things from disparate parts and like seam them together. Like I've, I also kind of, you know, think about like Frankenstein's monster in a way, like that idea. I really like, you know, taking these pieces and making my own thing out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that's part of it. And so then, you know, if I, if I'm building it and then there's something where I'm like, Oh, that would be really nice as like a letterpress punched black area. Like then I will make a, you know, like a polymer plate to do that. But it, it's not like I don't seek out that when I'm making the piece like I just make the image first and then when it's done I'll decide how like what needs to be what at that point what's your interest in in I guess pop culture and um I don't know is that something that kind of crept into your work more and more yeah I mean I've always been like a huge pop culture nerd in a sense you know I mean I think that I'm just like when I was growing up it was like the Simpsons and Star Wars and all that kind of stuff. And so that's always there. But I think part of it is just that I'm drawn to the the kind of illustrative quality of a lot of that stuff. Like, I just think that the line work and the images are really beautiful. And so I think because I'm drawn to those, those are the ones that I kind of want to go from. Like, for some reason, there isn't a lot of photographic stuff that I use in my, you know, in my work. And part of it might be because that's, I feel like that's more grounded in the real world in a sense where some of the more kind of fantastical images can come from illustration versus like a photograph. I mean, not that photographs can't do that, mm-hmm. but for me, I think that's, that's kind of part of it. And in terms of, you know, like when you're composing this in Photoshop, I mean, do you, are, are you kind of like collecting these elements as they're, you know, coming together or is it something very specific that you're. It, yeah. I mean, it really depends. Like, uh, 
there's an image that I have in uh, on the website that's you know probably like from 2010, and I was at a residency, and at you know I found out that my mom had breast cancer like when I was at that residency, and like the night that I found out like you know I, there's there was four other people at the residency so there's five total people, it's like I can't go and talk to somebody that I met like two weeks ago about that. Like I was, but I, and I didn't know what to do. So I sat down and I specifically made an image about how, you know, just what a mind fuck that was for me, essentially. Like, right, right. you know, so it was a very specific image and it's like this kid who's building snowman and it's, you know, the snowman has this, essentially it's like the snowman of death. Like, and that was my way of dealing with that. So sometimes there's very specific things that I like go into an image for. And other times, like with the last project that I worked on, you know, I just would have playlists like on iTunes or Spotify of all the songs. And I would just listen to that playlist while I was looking through books, like pulling an image. And then like, you know, at some point, like a line or something about the song would, would grab, you know, it would like grab my attention. And then I would focus more on an image that I felt, would tailor it to that. So it, it, again, it's kind of one of those things where it depends on the image, but I, I generally probably work more so just like building and editing than straight up, like trying to come up with an image. You were just talking about music and that's one of the first things that strikes me. And obviously the, the video works that you use utilize a lot of music. And, um, just to, just to confess, there have been nights where I've tried to sync, um, the matrix to come sail away. Um, you know, cause when I, when I saw that piece and again, this is back in 2008 when I saw one of your video works, you know, I was, I was, just, I don't know why it just seems so fascinating to me. And so at the same time, obvious, so like taking, taking two things and, and trying to re-edit them or mm-hmm. I don't know, is, is there a, a specific way that you kind of work through those? Um, how do you, how do you come up with, you know, what song is going to fit this mode or, or what it is that you're trying to get across? It's uh, it's kind of the same way as with the you know with the collage work that I do, and I feel like there's definitely a very similar working method with both those things. But um, it, you know, like I just I sit down because I used to, you know I mean I constantly used to have headphones on in grad school, like and listening to music, and you know we all know that kind of oh sync up Pink Floyd and um, and the Wizard of Oz, and and I, I always was interested in that idea, like how you can be walking down the street and the song that you're listening to just happens to be like this great little soundtrack that's going with everything else that's on, you know, happening. And so at first I was like, I sat down with the matrix and I made one that was the entire movie, you know? And it was like, but it was, you know, I had this sketchbook that was my notebook that essentially it was like, you would watch the matrix for the first three minutes and it would be a pixie song. And then it would switch to this song. Then it would switch to this song. And it was, you know, so instead of it being like one soundtrack, like our one album, it was an album that I made to go for the whole thing. But I don't care how great your friends are. Like, and I did have friends that would, that sat down and watched the whole thing. Like it just was like, it it's, it's too much to ask. And it's, it fired on certain parts. Like it was really great, but then there'd be these huge balls. And so I was like, there's gotta be a way to condense it so you can make it almost always be on. And so that's when I was like, Oh, why don't I just do like a scene of a movie? And so like the matrix was the first one. And it was just a, I, you know, I lucked into it. Like I just happened to be watching the matrix 
with the sound off because that's what I would do is just watch movies with the sound off and listen to music. And that came up, you know, and it, it's the reason like that you can't do it is because it's edited. Like it's, it's not a ton of stuff that's done, but like it's slowed down a little bit, like certain little things are cut out. And that's what I started to do is like, I started to manipulate it to go with the music instead of just letting the music and the movie run parallel. Right. Um, and so then I just would like, I'd be at the bar and like a movie would come on and be like, Oh, I should try that. And I'd never like, there's very rarely a time when I was like, this song is going to go with this movie, but I had like certain songs that I wanted to use and certain movies that I wanted to use. But until I could find the right combo, I would just like leave it alone. And then, so it was just essentially getting that movie and watching it and listening to music and seeing the scenes and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Like there's one that I did with Radiohead and, um, Saturday Night Fever. And it was essentially the reason that I came up with those two things is because I love Radiohead but for the most part, people are always like, oh, they're so sad. And like, you know, it's just it's not really upbeat music. And I was like, well, I I think it is, you know, at times, obviously not all the time. Mm-hmm. And then like the dancing that's in that movie, like for people, I feel of my generation or maybe younger, like disco is kind of a joke. And so that dancing, while it's super intricate with that music, you just kind of laugh at it. But then I was like, if I take this song that's like super rockin' and contemporary and put it with this music, it suddenly became this completely other thing. And like this idea that I wanted it to seem like that was a song that was playing in the club that they were dancing to. And then suddenly you see like how amazing, like all of this dancing is. And then you also realize like, wow, this Radiohead song is super funky. It's like really danceable. And so it's like those kind of ideas that I come up with at a certain point, And then I start editing to make them, go together how i feel they you know they flow or work together sure well and it's interesting because you know it seems like it would be such a separate time to bring up video works but the process seems like it's almost like the same you know yeah i mean i feel like it is it's completely the same like i think that in a sense i think of these you know these collages that i'm doing to songs like it's it's the same kind of idea like making this image that goes with this song except now it's obviously just a still image it's not you know moving along in in real time with it well and is there like a level two of wanting to re-examine these things or getting people to re-examine them or is that something that it's just more about playing around with like how you're talking about in terms of the the arrangement and then the way that the composition looks or the video looks yeah for me it's it's really about the arrangement like i think that you know i i'll i know with certain ones like how in a sense, the kind of reaction that I would get in a sense, just because of the the movie or the song. But for me, it's just like this, how can I make these work together? Like, that's the thing that I really enjoy about it is like, there's a way to do it. Like you just got to sift through it all and make it work. So how much editing is involved? The um, Saturday Night Fever one, it's like, it's all a bunch of different scenes from inside the club at different points in the movie that aren't even next to each other. You know, so it's like I took all of those and arranged them to go together, essentially. So it's not like one continuous scene. So I had to find all the places I could that people were dancing in the club, that they still had the same clothes on that they did in the other scene, you know, like all that kind of stuff to get it to to go together. So it's it's essentially like once I decide on a 
a path that I want to go on. Then I got to find all the parts to make it work. Are there times that, you know, they completely just crash and burn? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's definitely, like, I have files on my computer that are ones that I've tried. Like, there's I tried with uh, the movie The Dark Crystal, and that just never went anywhere. There's one with uh, the HUL's uh, The Time Machine, like the original one. There's an Empire Strikes Back one. Um, there's different versions of, um, like, this one that I did with um, Breakfast at Tiffany's. So, yeah, there's certain ones where it's just, like, I work and work and work, and then I'm just like, it's not, it's not, you know, and I revisit, like, there's times when I'll go back after a while, and then I'll be, like, I'll figure it out, like, it'll finally, like, it's been gestating in the back of my head long enough, or I'm I'm ready to do it, or I'm not sure, but yeah, there are definitely ones, and it's the same with the collages, like, the, you know, the 13 that I did last year, like, there are certain people where it's like, there was seven different versions of the image before I got to where I wanted, and like, I'd save it at a certain point. And then, you know, continue to work on it, and it would get better, in my opinion. So then, like, the other ones would just get thrown away. Well, and are these also works that you wind up showing together, then? No, actually, I've never been able to show them, like, in the same space. Like, I was lucky enough to show the videos in a really great setting. Like, that was my thing, is I never had really had the opportunity to show those except for on the web or, like, if I was giving a lecture or I was somebody came over to my house. Um, and so there was this great project uh, that this guy Trent Miller in Madison did um, called Bookless where the downtown library was going to be closed because they were going to remodel the whole thing. And he was involved in the library and he essentially set up a show to be in the old library before it was finally closed down and they tore out everything. And so I got this conference room that had a video screen and I just set up like, you know, six rows of chairs and had probably seven or eight of the movies on a loop just back to back and you could go in and it was like this dark room and like big enough to get a bunch of people in it. And it was like, it was great to actually have the chance to show it in that kind of space. But then there's part of me that has always been hesitant to show them together because I feel like people would always go to the moving object versus the static object. Right. So, you know, like not that they couldn't function together in a space, but I, I, I haven't done them, you know, together like that. Right. Well, it's it's interesting to think about the way that those those two bodies of work kind of feed each other. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, they're definitely I they go hand in hand for sure. I mean, I haven't. It's been a while now since I've done any of the the videos, just because I I don't know if I got to the point where I was kind of like I don't know. I'm just you know I'm, there's nothing that's really jumping out at me right now. Well, you you might have to recut the Great Gatsby to good music. <laughs> Is there anything that's in the works that, uh, you know, you're excited about that you can share with us? Uh, yeah, projects I mean, come on? I'm, I, you know, I decided to do, I essentially called that first project last year, uh, volume one. And I, I picked, um, a bunch of new people to do a volume two. And I, you know, I'm working on that right now. I've sent out one piece and I actually left one spot open. And I was going to say that, you know, anybody that's listening to, to the interview, if they want to contact me, like send me their name and I'll wait like, you know, a week after it's up and then I'll pull somebody's name. Like if I happen to get more than one and I'll add them to the project as like the last person in the project. So somebody's going to walk away very lucky. Yeah. I mean, if anybody's interested, just, you know, go just send me an email at info at jasonroll.com saying like you would want to be a part of the project. And then if I pick you, I'll, you know, send you an email and then you can send me your list and, We'll go from there.
the thing that I kind of like about it too, and maybe it's it's one of those oh kids these days kind of thing, but I like that it's um, that it's through the mail. You know, that mm-hmm. there's something about that that I I really enjoy, and maybe it's just nostalgia and kind of sappy. But I like this idea of like I I type out the envelopes and I send them, and like that's the thing is the first round that I did it. Like I people wrote on postcards and sent them to me in the mail with their list, and like so this idea of getting something in the mail instead of, like, an email or a Facebook message or anything like that. I mean, those things are all great, obviously, texts, but there's something that I, I kind of like about reaching out to just individuals, in a sense, that I know instead of, like, sending a mass message out kind of thing. Well, it sounds awesome, you know. Um, so maybe we'll have you back on to uh, uh, wrap it all up and, and we can see how it all went. Yeah, definitely. So... Well, again, thanks for taking the time, and uh, you know it was a lot of fun talking to you and, and hearing about your work and what you've been up to. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, thanks again to Jason for joining us, and please go check out his website, jasonrule.com. Look at all of his works, and please email him and get that free piece of artwork. Speaking of other artwork to check out, please go ahead to davidlinoway.com, see some of the new works that I had up. Again, I just had an exhibition at Jan Brandt Gallery and have 15 new works up on the website, davidlinoway.com, and of course you can easily find that. Just look on the left sidebar and click the hyperlink. Just have a bunch of little reminders to go through real quick. Again, if you haven't heard of Studio Break before, podcast and blog site we feature a variety of contemporary artists so go check them out at studiobreak.com again you can easily access all the ones that you missed by going through the archive feature and so please go ahead and check them all out at studiobreak.com again please apply to the 2013 competition you can find information right there on the studio break homepage just look on the top left you'll see the 2013 competition rules and entry proceedings and all that again our juror Mark Harold Ponder from Box 13 Art Space in Houston. He's a great curator, really interesting artist. So apply today. Again, our official entry closes May 31st, so you want to get those in. And again, there's three different categories, professional artists, graduate students, and undergraduate students. Again, each of those categories will have three winners, and one of those winners from each category will get their very own solo show. So... It's a great way to get your work out there and to share it with our audience. And again, we'd really appreciate sharing this with anybody that you think would be interested in it. Once again, you can follow us on Facebook. So please like us there. You can find out about updates that we have from some of the guests that we've had in the past, as well as show announcements. And you can also follow us on Twitter, at Studio Break on Twitter. We hope that if you like the podcast, you'll subscribe in the iTunes store. And if you really, really like it, you'll support us by sharing some positive comments. Um, again, there's a lot of people that listen to podcasts, have long commutes, and they need things to listen to, or if they're just working in the studio. And your comments get visibility in the iTunes store, so please go ahead and leave us some. If you're feeling extra generous, you can always use the PayPal donation button to help support the podcast and make it easier for us to do the kind of things that we want to do. We've got a lot of projects and ideas always going, so that's always an option. 
Just a couple exhibition reminders you can find on the Facebook page. Again, Liz Tran Symbiosis is still running, so please go ahead and check that out. And opening this weekend is Peter Shear at the Peoria Art Guild Sausage is the name of the exhibition, and also Stephen Husby's Portrait. So again, that is May 18th through June 20th at the Peoria Art Guild, and the opening is Saturday, May 18th from 6 to 8 p.m. You don't want to miss it. Peter Shear is an amazing abstract painter, and um, he's making tons of great work. It's going to be an amazing show, so please go ahead and check it out. All right, everyone, that's all the podcasts that we have for this week. We appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you real soon. No.